It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caliger, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship computer game. If you're looking for a uh, simulation game that's the best out there, you can uh, put up any fighter from yesterday, today, uh, put them against each other, change weight classes, change trainers, change the way they are, if they're in great shape or not. Uh, check out Title Bout. You can get yourself a copy right now. Visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the Title Bout uh, banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Southern Gourmet Spice Company. If you're looking to get uh, the best uh, spice to add to anything, uh, the Kenny Bears Barbecue Rub, and, of course, my new favorite, the Cajun uh, Spice, and his all-purpose salt uh, is second to none. Visit gourm- southerngourmetspice.com. Make sure you tell them Billy C. sent you. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or, of course, amazon.com. Uh, um, Shakur Stevenson. Jamal Herring, uh, great fight. Uh, you know, I, I, I loved it. Uh, Stevenson, all I could say is speed kills. You know, uh, Shakur Stevenson's speed and accuracy won him the fight. I think Jamal Herring's game plan was to uh, try and get him in deep waters later on in the fight. It just didn't work out. Uh, I scored the fight. I actually gave, there were two rounds that I thought were close, rounds four and five. Um, I gave round four to Stevenson. I gave round five uh, to Herring. The fight was stopped in the 10th round, uh, giving Stevenson the win by a 10th round uh, TKO. One minute and 30 seconds uh, of the round. It was stopped by uh, referee Mark Nelson. Um, Was the stops... uh, Listen, I I didn't think Herring was going to win the fight. Um, he didn't seem to put Stevenson in any kind of danger at all during the fight. Was it a, uh, a good stoppage? Um, yeah, I guess. I, what I didn't like was the, the cut. I, you know, they stopped the fight to look at the cut. I, I didn't think it was that bad, at least from my angle. Um, you know, I, I didn't think, you know, my angle from the couch watching on TV, I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, one thing I did notice was that uh, Stevenson, he keeps his mouth open. Um, I think it's a confidence thing. You know, he's got his mouth open, his, his tongue out a little bit. Um, he's going to get his jaw broken uh, at some point. It's a bad habit. I know it's a confidence thing, but it's a bad habit. And uh, if I could look at his performance uh, last night and see one thing that kind of stuck out and bothered me, it was that. But uh, anyway, aside from that, uh, great accuracy. I was impressed. Um was waiting for Herring to do something, and he never did. Never did. Um, Joining us right now uh, is my man uh, Dax Khan. And, uh, Dax, we'll get your thoughts on on the fight. What would you think of uh, Stevenson's victory? I thought he looked great in terms of his speed and his footwork. Um, 
Jamal Herring, not to take anything away from him, he's a tough fighter, but he doesn't have a lot of different um, dimensions to him. But um, in terms of what you're saying about the um, Stevenson fighting with his mouth open, somebody had mentioned the other day about it drives him nuts where he makes that grunt noise every time he throws a punch, which is something that it's a bad habit from the amateurs. You know, they're his team not teaching him how to breathe properly. And we see that a lot of times with guys who have spent a lot of time in the amateurs and they don't adjust to the pros. And as his level of competition goes up, that almost becomes a telltale sign of when they're going to let their hands go. I see a lot of fighters doing that. Um, and you're right. It's, it's habits. You know, but those kinds of habits have to be broken in the gym at the early stages, don't you think? They should be, yeah. You know, at least, you know, they should have been broken within his first four or five fights. Anything stick out you out at you for the Stevenson performance tonight? I mean, to me, he looked a lot more focused than he has in the past. Um, and he just, I, I, I got to be honest, I thought he would run out of gas a little bit. Um, and he didn't seem to. What's your thoughts? I thought that, you know, again, he showed great foot movement. He didn't show impressive power whatsoever, but he showed um, a lot of versatility in his attack. He sh seemed to be a little bit more aggressive than he has in past fights. But in terms of the test where we get a guy like Stevenson, exactly how good is he? Let's see how he reacts when he can't walk a guy down and he's not faster than a guy or those punches that he's landing is having little effect and the guy just keeps coming forward and starts bullying him. Then that's when the test comes on, you know, exactly how good is he? Is he able to change up his plan or is it just that he has a natural speed and, you know, just not naturally physically more athletic than his opponents to date? Well... I mean, that's the case with a lot of fighters, you know. Uh, that's why youth is so important in this game, Dax, you know. And uh, when it when it finally starts to fail him, if he doesn't pick up any tricks along the way, it's going to be over for him. I, you know, I mean, not every fighter can knock uh, their opponent out. I don't really look at Stevenson as a uh, knockout puncher. I mean, he now he does have nine knockouts in 17 fights, um, but uh, and, and he moved up in weight. So it'll be interesting to see, but his accuracy is there. I, I don't know if there's anything that they're going to do to try and, um, you know, increase power, but his accuracy is, is there, his speed is there, and uh, Herring was a, uh, was a decent defensive fighter, so I, I don't know. I give Stevenson a little more credit. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be a knockout puncher. No, it, you don't have to be a knockout puncher, but you have to be able to switch up is my point you know it's great to have that speed it's great to be slick but what happens when your your opponent pick a Ruslan Provokhanov or a Orlando Salido type where they can just keep coming and coming and coming and taking that punishment and they really do start getting dirty that's a little bit where we've seen Jamal Herring had the success last night is when he kind of bullied Shakir Stevenson a little bit on the inside. You know, can Shakir Stevenson make those adjustments? And when you get to some of these guys like uh, Rakamov, you're going to be able to need to make those adjustments because those guys are not going to just walk away and be dazzled by the skill set. No, 
No, but, uh, you know, like I said, Herring was a decent defensive fighter, you know? Yeah, no, and that's not taking anything away from Herring. It's not taking anything away from Shakir Stevenson. But the point is, it's just, you know, do you have more than one level to your game? The great Roy Jones, or as great as Roy Jones was, um, in this type of situation, I always use Bernard Hopkins as an example. Roy Jones beat Bernard Hopkins early in his career, but Bernard Hopkins actually went on to have the better career because Bernard Hopkins was a more versatile fighter, and he didn't rely solely on his reflexes. Hey, Dax, do me a favor. See if you can uh, adjust your, your sound. It's coming through. We're getting double sound on that. Um, yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, it's just, um, you know, I look at the division – the name that jumps out at me, of course, is is Oscar Valdez, um, and I say to myself, I, I, "I'm a." What you're saying to me is exactly what he would be challenged with against a, a, an Oscar Valdez. I mean, a guy that keeps coming at you and uh, and doesn't stop, and, and and even if he's hurt, he's still coming is coming at you. How how, how do you see that matchup? Um, I think that. Chris Stevenson should be able to box circles around Oscar Valdez, honestly. And again, I think Valdez would literally test the chin of Chris Stevenson, but that would be an answer on whether or not Chris Stevenson has more than one aspect to his game besides just the athleticism. In my opinion, Chris Stevenson and Devin Haney are almost, it's like he's a 130-pound version of Devin Haney. Yeah, but my point is that... Exactly what you were saying. Valdez comes at you, never stops, even when he's, you know, he gets rocked a little bit. How is Shakur Stevenson going to react to a guy that's not going to show, you know, taking that step back? And again, we don't know. Last night, though, he did show a little bit where he did stay. I was surprised. He stayed in the wheelhouse a little bit, even those couple rounds that where Herring won. Shakur Stevenson actually showed he can fight inside if need be. Now, the only thing I would like to see Shakur Stevenson do on the inside a little bit different is be able to gain a little bit of power behind those pointers. Um, what's next for Stevenson? I would assume it would be a WBO fighter that's ranked. I mean, do you see him uh, uh, going up against uh, a top guy, or do you think he's going to um, go into another uh, sanctioning body? Because there's there are some decent fights for him out there. To be honest... Outside of Oscar Valdez, outside of Rockamoff, maybe Miguel Burchell, who's definitely on the downside, the division's really weak. I'd like to see him against another guy who's not a big puncher, but he's very slick and he's very athletic and he's very skilled, and that's Chris Colbert. Yeah, no, Chris Colbert's on the rise, uh, ranked at number uh, uh, eight in the WBC. Um, he's ranked number one with the WBA. I, you know, you you mentioned. I I think I think a fight against Cancio uh, might be good for him right now. Or um, you know, I, I mean, a, a guy that's been up and and down. You know, I, what I don't want to see is a is a guy that's never really been there but still hanging around like a Billy Dib. You know, for some reason I have I have a feeling they're gonna. Uh, stick him in there with with a guy like Dib, but Tevin Farmer would be a good fight too. Tevin needs a a, a good dancing partner. Maybe this is this is the right guy. Tevin Farmer lately hasn't really looked all too um 
Tim Foreman, more or less, is just going through the motions for me in his last few fights. What about um, Xavier Martinez, I think, would be a nice fight. You know, there's a guy similar in size. Um, there's a guy who um, is kind of an Oscar Valdez type. He has a little bit of power, and, you know, he's undefeated. So that would be somebody that I'd like to see him in against. No, we and would that would kind of give uh, maybe a little bit of an answer on what is Chris Stevenson in, and that would actually also help build up a little bit of interest in terms of making the Oscar Valdez fight happen and making it marketable. Yeah, no, my point isn't we can find good fights for him. I'm trying to see what what management's going to give him. I'm thinking that they're going to go for a, uh, a top 10, 12, uh, top 10 uh, or top 12 uh, contender in one of the major sanctioning bodies, but a safe one. That's why I look at a, a Billy Dibb, which I would hate to see, but he's ranked uh, in the top 15 for the WBA, which doesn't mean anything. Uh, but I, I could see him getting a guy like that in his next fight. You know, I actually... Don't, I'm not agreeing. I'm not, I'm not saying I want to see it, Dax. I'm just saying that that's the path that these guys usually take. No, but my point, what I was going to say is they have now, especially when you listen to commentary last night, they have built him up so high and they have placed expectations on him to where he can't fight somebody like a dib. He has to step up his level because anything from here on out is going to just detract the fans and it's going to more or less another one or two fights against non-names. He's going to be labeled the cherry picker, even though he doesn't choose his own fights. But, you know, right now, again, this, the hype surrounding him since he started, and now he's a two-division champion, fans are expecting him to perform at that level, you know, a, um, a Teofimo Lopez-type level. Or a, um, you know, actually, you know, with Devin, like I was going to say a Devin Haney-type level, but Devin Haney more or less took a step back. But I think... Um, you know, I'm, I'm really, to be honest with you, when it comes to, I'm really stumped because the division really is weak outside of those two, uh, three names. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a rematch. I, I, I would, I mean, I would have thought that Herring's uh, uh, contract would have a rematch clause in it, but uh, the undercard, um, you know, I don't know what's going on in boxing, and and I'm going to talk about this a little later too with the with the Canelo fight coming up, but. The undercards have been terrible. I, I get the, the feel of this one, you know, uh, sons, uh, nephews, grandsons, whatever. But uh, it didn't do nothing for me. What about you? No, not at all. Um, it was actually kind of shameless marketing in the way that they are using these sons to build up these cards, more or less, I'm going to use your words against it, where, you know, it's okay, let's use the grandson of Muhammad Ali, let's use the son of Evan Holyfield. Neither one of them have any amateur credentials that made them stand out stars, so, but they have that last name that will let us promote them without having to promote them. Well, let's take Nico Ali Walsh. He's 2-0, and he, he's got both knockouts, knocked out a 36-year-old uh, uh, fighter uh, last night. Um, Ibn Ali was Rahman Ali's son, which would be uh, Muhammad Ali's nephew. He's a guy that I had on, on a show of mine once, and he was a great kid. He actually looked like Muhammad. I have photos of him where he looked like Muhammad Ali as a young fighter. He was awful. I mean, 
you know, he didn't know anything, but it's exactly what you're saying. His last name is, is Ali. You know, Rahman was there. Um, you know, it, it, they were touting it as the nephew, Muhammad Ali's nephew. Um, there was only one Muhammad Ali. You know, uh, this grandson, I don't think is ever going to be along the lines of Muhammad Ali. And I don't mean to knock him. He's only got two fights on, under his belt. Um, but they're going to carefully move him, just like you suggest, um, just for the name. And at some point, he'll get a uh, he'll get a shot. I mean, what about the Freddy Krueger of boxing? Uh, Chavez Jr. I mean, uh, come on, man. How many how many chances does Chavez get? Uh, you know, I heard he's fighting again. This the name thing and and cashing in on them. It's I mean, it's always happened, but it, over the last let's say ten years since one of you Chavez Jr. It's really become to the point where it's more WWE like than anything because. These are sons or grandsons of guys that were not just good, not just Hall of Fame, but all-time greats and legends. And again, I stress, just like they did with Shakur Stevenson in the build-up, even before the fight started, talking about how he's already an all-time great. It's a lot of pressure to put on there, and these guys get a lot of backlash if they're not performing in their third, fourth, and fifth fight like their father or their grandfather was in their prime. And with social media error, they're continuously bashed. So it just really makes the sport frustrating. And it doesn't even allow these guys to properly develop because they're automatically expected to be thrown into these big huge fights such as we've seen with julio caesar chavez jr the moment he left mexico well i, I we got a uh a, a message in the uh uh in the message area uh i'm losing my chat room yeah 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 that's it i gotta get the technical uh my man sean wants to see him fight leo santa cruz that's exactly what you're saying they expect him and i'm talking about shakir they expect him to fight leo santa cruz that's a tough jump from uh, Herring to, to Santa Cruz, uh, a guy that never stops punching. But I got to admit, I, I agree with Sean. That would be a decent fight, speed against a guy that's just as relentless. What's your thoughts? Yeah, it would be a good fight. Um, Leo Santa Cruz, I'm really, really sure. Um, how Leo Santa Cruz is ever since, you know, the Tank Davis knockout. Well, we'll see. I don't see. know if we'll ever be the same fighter again after that, to be honest with you. Uh, joining us now uh, is uh, my man uh, uh, Alex Papali. Uh, good morning, Alex. What's your thoughts on the uh, Stevenson fight? Wow, that was uh, just a career best performance. Uh, I, I was shocked that uh, he fought in such a aggressively relentless mode. Um, I, I tell you that I, it was it was very enjoyable to see him. Uh, to see him fight that way. If he fought that way, I think he'd have a, all the time. I think he'd have more fans. Um, I, I think maybe I, I got um, sort of, I took the, the his last performance uh, too, too seriously. I think that uh, um, this was more the Shakur Stevenson that um, he wants to be. And uh, man, it, it was just amazing uh, in terms of all the questions that I had for him, he answered them, and he answered them emphatically. The one thing Dax brought up, I don't know if you were listening, he, he was, uh, you know, I mean, both Dax and I also thought he had a great performance, but the one uh, missing link um, is power. Is that something that, 
this is the way he's going to be, in your opinion, or should power come a little later? I, I'm thinking this is the way he's going to be. Yeah, I have a feel. I think that's a good point. I mean, I, I think especially as he moves up, um, maybe I don't know how far that he'll get with the power because that could be an issue. But I tell you, if he he's so relentless that um, you know, even there was one moment that I thought was just so impressive where. Uh, and it was the sort of one of the storylines that was going on through this fight is like, does Shakur Stevenson have dog in him? And there was a moment, I think it was in the sixth round where Herring kind of, they came together real fast and Herring complained that, you know, he butted me. And as they came back together, Stevenson nailed him with uh, a straight, uh, straight right hand and a sweeping left as if to say, oh, are you hurt? Here. Here, here's something to get over that hurt. Here's another hurt. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, this guy is, he's really fighting at a high level tonight. He's supremely motivated. So I don't know. I mean, uh, as long as it, maybe a guy like Leah Santa Cruz, we'd see a similar performance. But you're right. I think he would have to deal with that differently because the volume of punches, that's a big thing with Santa Cruz. Although Santa Cruz, you know, um, I think one of the things about the Herring fight was that it was the right time. You know, Herring was a little long in the tooth, but not to take anything away from Stevenson. And I think with Santa Cruz, you know, there's a lot of miles on Santa Cruz, but I think that would be a very good fight. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, about the mean streak, because uh, I, I tell you what, after the uh, second round, prior to the start of the third, my notes, I wrote down, uh, Stevenson has a mean streak in him. And uh, I, I tell you, I like that. And, and uh, you know, I don't know about the necessity for, for power, Dax, with, with Stevenson because, you know, I hate to use this as a positive, but Floyd Mayweather didn't have any punching power. And uh, he had a pretty successful career, uh, you know, boxing. And I think that Stevenson, what he has over, at least at this stage, is he is more aggressive. He was standing in front of Herring, landing punches. He was displaying what I would call the sweet science. He wasn't punching Herring and running away. He was still there avoiding uh, Herring shots. So I, I was impressed with, with Stevenson. And if you guys remember, uh, Larry Hazard mentioned Stevenson on this show um, before Stevenson turned pro, he was telling us about him when he was fighting in the amateurs, long before the Olympics and everything. He was talking about this, you know, keep an eye on this kid, Shakur Stevenson, you know, and of course he's a Jersey native, and and Larry was able to see uh, a lot of his amateur fights. But it's interesting to see several years later, here we are, and he's now a champion. Well, first, you're wrong in terms of. Floyd Mayweather at those weights. Floyd Mayweather at those weights was a beast. So he was totally, he was a total different fighter than Shakur Stevenson. Never Floyd heard, Mayweather. never heard anybody refer to Floyd Mayweather as a beast, but it is always the first up, time. Up, up until Floyd Mayweather went to 147 pounds, Floyd Mayweather was destroying everybody. Whether or not it was Justin Juco, Angel Manfredi, whether or not it was. Um, Diego Corrales. Yeah, uh, Diego Corrales. Um, 
whether or not it was Gennaro Hernandez, Floyd Mayweather was a beast. He was a total different fighter at that weight. Let's be, come on, let's be honest here. You know, and Shakir Stevenson, no, he doesn't show that same mean streak that Floyd Mayweather had at that weight. At that weight class, Floyd Mayweather was actually a scary fighter. I don't know. I, I Listen, before he split with top rank, yes, his performances were better. But I don't That's think when, he, when I don't think he, Floyd he never showed a mean Floyd streak. I I don't think Floyd ever showed a mean streak ever unless he was ah. beating a, unless he was beating the shit out of a girl or something. You know oh, that man. that's oh, that's, that, that's 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 it. That's it. I, I agree but, with Dax in, in terms of the uh, the 130 pound version of Floyd. I do think that was he was one of the best 130 pounders ever, and I do think that. Um, his win over Jesus Chavez. If you want to see just a, a monster Floyd, that's the one. Because yeah. man, Dax is absolutely right. He Beast. was merciless in, Beast. Uh, in stopping Jesus Chavez. Uh, David made a slight reference last night um, to Arturo Gatti and Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> that I was um, a little surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. But um, but again, the only reason why I mention that is you know again. Up until he got to that welterweight division where he had to become more of a defensive fighter because he was always going to be the smaller fighter and because his hands were not of, uh, you know, the highest um, in terms of being able to absorb the punishment, Floyd had to become more of a defensive fighter and, of course... He stated many times he didn't want to end up like other members of his family, you know, um, in terms of having that type of damage. So he became a defensive master. No, it wasn't exciting at all. But we're talking about the Floyd Mayweather from 140 pounds and down. That was a different fighter. If uh, that version of Floyd Mayweather would have carried up to 147 pounds, Billy C would have nothing to complain about. And you know what? I think Billy C would probably have to take up something like crochet because that would, you know, <laughs> yeah. start monopolizing yeah, a lot of his that, time. That's what I would like. Uh, I guess. His daughter, I guess his daughter didn't listen to him either, right? But uh, uh, on Friday night, on Friday night, we had a uh, the new bridge weight division, which is I can't, I, I just I don't know. It, it is going to be an exciting division because of the size of these guys. It just it just kind of sucks that we had to add another division. But nonetheless, Oscar Kaboom Revis uh, fought and won a twelve round decision over Ryan Rosicki. Uh, to become the first bridge weight championship or bridger weight. Um, what's your thoughts on this, guys? Who else is in the bridger weight division? I don't know. <laughs> I, Oscar Kaboom, I, you know, looks like he could control. I didn't even, I, I got to be honest, I never even heard of Ryan Rosicki, but uh, he was going into the fight 13 and 0 with 13 knockouts, so I guess he was good. Well, here, you know what, just to carry on with the recent boxing tradition, Oscar Rivas is right now eligible for the Hall of Fame. He's the greatest Bridgeway champion of all time. He's lineal. He's undefeated. He has shown to have an iron chin at Bridgeway. I really don't think there's been another Bridgeway that has ever shown the heart, the determination, the punching power, and the grit of Oscar Rivas. And I believe that Oscar Rivas may be the only Bridgeweight in history. He's ever. the only one. He's the only Bridgeweight Bridgeweight champion as of now, uh, because the WBC technically is is the only ones uh, that even have rankings. I don't see rankings for the, any any of the I mean, other. But think, but think about what I don't understand is Bridgeweight. He came in at two twenty two for Bridgeweight. Okay, Deontay Wilder, and this is not being um, changed things up. You know, Deontay Wilder. 
he, for the most part in his career, has four under 220. If Deontay Wilder dropped down and um, decided, you know what, I'm going to compete in the Bridgeweight division, forget it. That that division's over. Forget it. Why even bother having it? Because, because they, they, they brought it in because of the big safety-first movement that the world has today, or at least here in the States. And because the heavyweights became bigger. You know, I mean, look at the size of these guys. If you're not 240 pounds in the heavyweight division, you're considered small. Got news for you. All of the great past heavyweight champions would have fought in this division if it existed. Jack Dempsey, Mike Tyson in his prime was 211 pounds, 214 pounds. You know, what would he have done? The only thing that I like so far when I'm looking at the WBC's top 15 there are a Who couple are of smaller. Can you tell me, please? Yeah, I can because there are a couple I think you might have heard of, like maybe Marco Huck and Brian Jennings and guys like that. Uh, that uh, Torres Spitzka. The, these are guys that are small heavyweights, and I'm not saying they're they're good, but they certainly couldn't compete against the 240, 260 pound heavyweights. They're not going to compete. And Deontay Wilder, he's bulked up. Wasn't he like 240? Against uh, didn't he weigh two forty against uh, uh, Tyson Fury in, in his last beatdown by Tyson Fury? He did that purposely, though. I'm talking about you know the Deontay Wilder of normal before um, even the rematch. Usually fought under two hundred and twenty pounds. Arthur Spilka still has his jaw on backwards from when he fought Deontay Wilder, and I'm not even sure he's awake yet from the Derek Tassor fight. Brian Jennings. He's still dazed from when we've seen him get knocked out by Luis Ortiz up in Verona. Well, I guess you're back in the weight division because you're mentioning all these guys that are of 240 pounds. All, all the Bridger weight division is doing, the max is 224. So it's, a, it's, a, it's another division they've sprinkled in between cruiserweight. Because remember, cruiserweight and light heavyweight are the two... Uh, most drastic weight uh, differences from the from the minimum to the maximum. So, I, I, listen, don't get me wrong. I am well, not. Here's a funny it. one. Brian Jennings, one of the best bridger weights in the world, and Oscar Rivas should have a rematch from their heavyweight fight. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the thing you know, about it is that <laughs> it just it seems like a superfluous division. It's a, a money grab in that sense. Because you're right. I mean, if you look at history, Mike Tyson's whole career, he would have been a bridger weight. Because uh, I think the biggest he ever was was 221. Um, and if you think about that, that would be ridiculous. Because then when he ever he fought a guy that was 230, that fight couldn't have happened. Uh, or it would have been like a catch weight fight, which I don't know, that's ridiculous. And that's the whole point of heavyweight, the heavyweight division, is that you could have a 206 pound guy fight a 250 pound guy. And, you know, I think you'd be wrong to, and and that's what's so pathetic that a a boxing division bought into this. You'd be wrong to, if you've watched boxing at all, you know a 250 pound guy does not automatically beat a 203 pound guy. And the whole idea of weight divisions is because that concept is that is usually what happens. A guy who's heavier has an advantage uh, over a smaller guy. Heavyweight division is not where that's always true. And that's where this this new division just is, is really silly. It's, it's a horrible name. 
Uh, yeah, who came up with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, somebody from Connecticut. I, I mean, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I, I tell you, the whole thing about it. I, the thing that's unfortunate is that supposedly it was a great fight. I, I didn't even know what streaming service. It it, was. I couldn't I find it. I couldn't find yeah. it. It was supposed to be on ESPN Plus, and it wasn't. You know, and yeah. I, I do want to watch it because I, I've heard that the, the fight was terrific. Like Dak said, it was the most phenomenal Bridgerweight Championship fight. It ever. was, it was. But you so, know what? Yeah, you guys, both these, both these are missing the whole reason why they came up with this division. No, listen. No, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold there's on, only one on, reason. On. No, no, because there's only one reason. It's more I, sanctioning I, fees. Right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So let's we come up with a few more. Let's come up. There and, and pretty soon we're going to have a, a, a champion, Bridger weight champion in recess. And, a, and a, you know, uh, come on, man. That's yeah. why they did it. They did this just as the WBA is actually following through and eliminating their titles. But oh, the, they're, so, was, they're so accurate was, with their hold on, What I was going to say is, remember, the cruiserweight division originally went from 176 to 190 because guys like Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali, who fought at Bridgeweight, were considered too big for the rest of the heavyweight division, and it was unfair. Alexander Yusik just defeated, I guess you would say, the second best heavyweight in the world fighting at Bridgeweight. Like Alex stated, size does not always matter. Now, Bill, you are right, and we spoke about this before on the show many times. Occasionally, six, I am. Six foot four in this era is considered an undersized heavyweight, and that used to be considered a monster. But now we have, and Montel Griffith, you know, the former light heavyweight champion, says often on social media, what separates Tyson Fury from everybody else and makes him so more special is Tyson Fury at six foot nine can fight like a guy who is a bridge weight in terms of movement and or he can fight like a heavyweight in terms of being able to use his size and the power and he's so versatile. He sets apart. You know, he's 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 totally different than the rest of the division, like Alex was saying. A hundred, two hundred and one pound guy doesn't always gonna lose. Isn't always gonna lose to a two hundred and forty pound guy because once skills come into it, that is what is going to be the deciding factor whether or not it's stamina. The two hundred and one pound guy can do a Manny Pacquiao where he's gonna land more punches. He's gonna break the bigger man down. Tyson Fury is just special in his own class. In in my opinion, a two hundred and twenty five pound guy, a two hundred and thirty pound guy. Fighting a 240-pound guy really is not it, – it's really not that much of a difference, especially when you're 6'3", you're 6'4", this is what you're used to. And by dropping down to 223 pounds, fighting at bridge weight, you're not – these guys, they're not going to be making any money. They're going to lose interest. The cruiserweight division has been around for decades, and we've had a lot of top cruiserweights. You mentioned some very – Way over that Marco Huck has been past it for quite some time, and he's going to be a bridgeweight. And the cruiserweight division hasn't caught on yet. Is this bridgeweight division really going to catch on? Well, it has, the cruiserweight division, the cruiserweight division hasn't caught on in one place, and that's the United States. Other than that, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good. I, I've always liked the cruiserweights. I, I, don't get me wrong. You guys, you guys are, are taking it wrong about my thoughts on the bridgeweight. Um, I don't think that. Um, you know, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna take off. I just 
I just think it's comical. That's all. It is kind of, you know, it's, it's like a stand-up shit. Yeah, it is. Well, I'm hoping that uh, I could become the champion emeritus of going to the mailbox because there is no <laughs> weight division for this area here going to my mailbox. So I really hope some boxing committee, uh, some boxing sanctioning body puts a title up for that. Did, did you ever watch the Chappelle show, Alex? Sure. Remember when they used to have Charlie Murphy? Yeah, oh, I love Charlie Murphy, yeah. I can actually picture a Charlie Murphy skit where he's <laughs> talking about at one point in time he was going to be a boxer, but all the fighters were happened to be just too big. So all of a sudden, Suleiman from the WBC comes walking in one night smoking a blunt saying, you know, Charlie Murphy, why don't you come to the Bridgerweight division? So I went to the Bridgerweight division and, you know, it's, it really is comical. It doesn't even sound like a real division. Yeah, and Mauricio, Mauricio Suleiman proceeded to ruin his couch. I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> and he made pancakes in the morning. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Bill, never seen that. That's, Sh that skit comes Sh from Sh a thing where they come to the club and Prince comes in and he invites everybody back to his um his house and everybody's smoking weed and Prince has his basketball court in his um, yard and it's the blouses versus the skins and and then it just ends after everybody's been smoking weed. They've been out at the club all night. Prince has been making slam dunks in the morning before everybody goes home. He makes everybody pancakes. Well, the you know? funny the <laughs> funny thing is, is Prince was an excellent basketball player. As a matter of fact, he 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 should have gotten a chance, but the coaching on, on where he went to college didn't even give him a chance because of his height. But uh, he did. He but was. How would he have done in the Bridgeweight Division? He would have. He would have done well, especially if they had it in basketball. Um, but uh, but in any event, um, Shakur, let, let's just jump back to, to Stevenson one one second. Um, you know, I, overall, I was impressed with his hand speed and accuracy. The big question I have for, for Stevenson at this point, is this going to be the Shakur Stevenson we see from here on out? Because if it is, he is going to be a tough out, regardless of the weak division, as Dax mentioned earlier. Um, it's not his fault that the division is weak. The one thing we got to give him credit for is, you know, in, in such a relatively short time as a professional, he's already a two-time world champion, two different weight divisions. Um, you know, how much more ceiling does he have? He is still young. Is he going to get bigger? Um, you know, I, I can't see him developing power, but I can certainly see him boxing circles around people the way he did uh, last night against Herring. Absolutely. I, I, I do think that at some point he will move up, uh, at least to lightweight, because as, as much as um, that division has sort of stagnated um, in the past year, uh, at least, you know, in terms of the real the four kings, um, I do think that the most lucrative and the most interesting fights for him are at, at 135. So, yeah, I think we will see him move up. And I can't wait, quite honestly, to see him against some of those top guys uh, after last night. Uh, yeah, my mouth's watering for fights like that. Um, I'm not sure if um, how he will do. Um, but what I saw last night made me think, oh, yeah, uh, he's definitely a force to be reckoned with um, uh, should he move up. Yeah, I, I don't know what motivates fighters, but apparently Andre Ward was taking the credit for motivating uh, – uh, Stevenson, uh, when he uh, uh, said thank you to him uh, after the fight last night, but 
Whatever the case is. Was that, was that Ward or Bradley? I thought, I thought no, that was Bradley. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm sure sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Bradley? Yeah, I wasn't Bradley sure what Bradley said. Oh, that's critical. Critical. Okay. Yeah, yeah that, that actually makes more sense to me now that, that you guys straightened me out that it was Timothy Bradley because he is more critical. I, I just it's hard for me to listen to that broadcast team on ESPN. And I and I love Joe Tessitore and Timothy Bradley. I'm not a big fan of Andre Ward. I'm just not. I wasn't when he was in the ring or outside the ring. But uh it, it's hard to listen to somebody. It really was. It, it was shameless ass kissery last night. Well they all it do it. They all do it. The, the the zone does it even worse. You know, so um it, it was tough. I just want to uh point out to everybody looking to get uh, some uh, spice. Don't forget about Kenny Bear's uh, barbecue rub. Uh, check it out, southerngourmetspice.com. Make sure you tell them uh, Billy C. sent you. Uh, some fights coming up uh, that I wanted to talk about. I guess the Dillian White Otto Wallen fight is, has been uh, canceled. Did somebody get. Uh, yeah, Dillian White had a shoulder injury. Oh, okay. All right. Because uh, that was a fight I was kind of looking forward to. They, they canceled the whole card, huh? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, think you know, uh, and also is um, the other fight that was postponed is oh gosh, there was another one coming up that's postponed as well. Well, yeah, this has been a year of postponements. It seems like. Well, I mean, uh, COVID got everybody uh, ready to. No, no, like, like due to an um, injury. It wasn't due to COVID. Um, somebody was injured or they got sick or something. And that was just recently. No, my um, I I wasn't suggesting that. My 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 comment about COVID is that there seemed to be a lot of uh, postponements over that. We didn't even see fights over COVID. So we've come, at least we've come a, a long way since then. But It's gotten a little better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, That's uh, a blame to everything. That, you know, COVID's the reason why Billy, you don't like Floyd Mayweather, you know, you know, COVID's the reason for everything nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. COVID, I, COVID is why there's less cat food than there used to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. COVID is why COVID, COVID is why there's there's going to be a turkey shortage for Thanksgiving and and I the, heard about that. And but but did you see how they, Oh, there's going to be food shortage. There's going to be this. There's going to be that. And then all of a sudden they said. And Josh Taylor, that's and it. That's the other liquor shortages. Ah, now the country's in there. Yeah, wait, whoa, whoa. We could do without turkey on Thanksgiving. We could it's do like without got... toys on Christmas. We could even have Christmas without a damn Christmas tree, which is all supposed to be shortages. But you better stop when you start telling me there's going to be a, a shortage of liquor because people are going to start going crazy, you know. But, exactly. Uh, it's, like the, it's like the old airplane clip when they're like, uh, you know, the co-pilot has passed out. He's, yeah. he's uh, unconscious. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we're out of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always refer to that movie, and it's funny that – so many young people never saw it, you know. Uh, I know, it's uh, yeah, such a classic. It, it's like, I have a drinking problem, and he throws the, he can't, you know, you know. But uh, looks but like you I can put, also get an organic tofu turducken. And in case you don't know what that is, if anybody here speaks jive and would like to explain that. Turducken, <laughs> actually, uh, uh, Madden came up with turducken years and years ago but uh not the really not the, john madden the football player yeah he really? called it because it was a it was a a cross between a turkey and a and a duck and it was and chicken, they had right? they no nothing about it but at least john madden but they had stuck all these legs on this chicken 
on this turkey because that you know that was the whole thing he would award that but uh but that was years ago i'm really showing my age now yeah, but alex with that movie one of the, the my favorite lines is this anybody here speak jive and who yeah. is barbara billingsley i do <laughs> no i like i like uh looks like i picked the wrong day to quit drinking you know and he goes he goes along the whole thing smoking you know shooting heroin doing cocaine sniffing i mean glue. yeah sniffing glue. yeah oh, oh god <laughs> Uh, hey, uh, attention! Does anyone here know how to fly a plane? Ah, you know. But what about the? Uh, here we are. We're going good. What about the nun? Oh, oh, stop! You know, and they're all lined up with bats and stuff. Uh, yeah. No, not the nun. It was somebody going crazy. Even a nun was lined up to to smack her around. But anyway, um, Cano, Canelo Alvarez is uh, fighting uh, in a few weeks. Uh, November 6th, it'll be the next big fight, I guess, that uh, we'll be talking about. Um, you know, I love the fight, fellas. I love the fight. I love Canelo uh, versus Caleb Plant. Um, I, 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 I think it's it's just par for the cause for Canelo. I, I don't even people that don't like him have to give him credit. But I, I got to be honest with you. It's a pay-per-view and it's terrible. The rest of the card is is terrible. They're resurrecting Anthony Durrell. I mean, I, I've always thought that he got a, a, a rough end of, of the, the card, so to speak. Um, but I also thought he was finished. You know, um, Ray Vargas is on the card, which I don't mind seeing. But he's, they're one-sided fights. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on the undercard that's been announced, at least a pay-per-view? Oh, it's a, terrible. There's, at best, terrible is what you can say, and that's being generous. Anthony the dog, Durrell, is taking on uh, Madman. See, when they start really promoting the, the nicknames, it reminds me of what Bob Trieger told me years and years ago. You know, it's like they do that, you know, when it's, you know, the the tough, the ever tough, the battle tested. You know, he's going through me and him one time where he's giving me all the, the, the adjectives when basically battle it's a punching bag. Yeah, it's a punching bag. A battle tested guy. He's got one win, 15 losses. You know, yeah, he's battle tested. Not on the good end, but Madman Marcos Hernandez, 15-4-2. That's the co-main event, boys. Co-main event to Canelo and Plant. I'm sorry, but it, it there's, there's a lot of anticipation into that fight, to be honest with you. You know, I'm really, um, you know, it's kind of like an edge of your seat type fight. You know, Madman versus the dog. Yeah, you know? no. And, no. And, and, can the Madman score knockout number four? I, I, I know, I know. I mean, I'm a Madman that I'm going to have to sit through and watch it, to be honest with you, you know. But, uh, uh, I, you know, I don't mind Durrell trying to make another comeback. I mean, the guy's only got two losses. The two draws, you can make an argument that maybe there are two more losses. I, I don't know, but... Uh, um, he, he never did nothing for me. The Durrell brothers, as Dax, you, you brought it up many times, they bring trouble to the ring. And I don't mean inside the ring. I mean outside the ring. It, it's a shame. And I'm surprised that I'm seeing it on a Canelo card. Uh, usually Canelo's cards are, are they, pretty they, good. They, the PBC won the bidding rights for the broadcasting is why that's on pay-per-view. is because the PBC won the rights to broadcast. Well, they uh, on on November twentieth when uh, Porter takes on uh, Crawford, um, that fight is confusing. You, you, you know, because you you sign up for ESPN Plus and you were promised that you were going to get a lot of these fights, but the last two big fights, in, including this one, Porter uh, Crawford, or I should say Crawford Porter, 
Um, yes, they're billing it as the ESPN three, just like Tyson Fury, uh, Deontay Wilder three, but it's on pay per view. So I guess PBC won both of those, huh? Um, well, is that on Showtime pay per view? It just it, it's it's called pay per view. I think. Yeah, it, yeah. Know. I don't know because uh, because um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was gonna say if it's on Showtime pay per view, then that means you know the PBC because they only have a contract with Showtime. They don't have a contract with anybody else anymore that I know of. Well, unless but, I um, unless I'm reading the commercial wrong, um, where it has ESPN Plus and then pay-per-view like i couldn't miss it it was the center of the uh, of the ring last night um but the last time they promoted a fight like that was the wilder uh tyson fury fight and it turned out to be on regular old pay-per-view yeah and i'm a little surprised they have not replayed that yet um it, it, it's not even on like regular i, I can see if they're going to keep it on the streaming services but um if you didn't buy the pay-per-view you can't see it uh, and I'm a little, I guess there's so much uh, college football, I could see why it hasn't re-aired. But um, if they were to re-air that at 8 p.m. on a Saturday night, just for one hour, because the whole broadcast would fit in an hour, if they keep their talking to a minimum. Um, well, how can they? It wasn't wasn't I, that the fight? There was 29 uh, commentators for that fight? Uh, I, I, yeah, and I... I I couldn't believe even last night. I think that's one of the things, and I I hope we don't see this with the um, with the Caleb Plant um, Canelo Alvarez pay per view. But I think last night, you guys, don't you didn't you feel like even though that was on two different networks, it they wanted us to feel like we were watching one big pay per view, um, but the undercards didn't quite live up to like. Pro- um, preparing us for the main event, I thought, because they were such preliminary bouts, it, especially the Nico Ali bout. I mean, yeah, he's Ali's grandson. So what? Uh, I, I'm just, he, it's so, he's so green at this point. Uh, yes, God bless him. Let's hope he, he if he wants to box, let, let him box. But I don't understand why it, it's almost as if that is being put in front of us in the way Christy Martin was, um, except with Christy Martin, there was no question you got, she delivered. You got blood and guts and you got somebody who, you know, was a professional prize fighter. Wait, was that with the ex-husband? That Oh, oh you mean when she fought? No, no, no. When she would fight, when, when she would fight on, on Don King undercards. No, she was, she was exciting. Of, she was exciting back absolutely. then. Absolutely. And not that he wasn't exciting, but it's like, there's so much talking about something that isn't really worth talking about because he's so green and we don't know. I mean, the develop, it's all very similar to the Campbell Hatton thing, except he was not in as deep as Hatton was in his last fight, is that this guy, yes, he has this uh, pedigree, as they keep say- saying, as if people are dogs. And just because if you're born to someone, you have some innate ability to box like them, which I don't really buy. Have you ever seen um, it? I was thinking of that uh, during the fight. Who's, what father's son was successful? I mean, Macho Camacho was one of the greatest fighters. And, and, and unfortunately, the Edwin Rosario fight, you want to talk about a beast. You want to use the word beast, you know, and you guys are using it for Floyd. You know, pri- <laughs> prior to Edwin Rosario, 
Camacho was a beast. This was a guy that had power, speed. He was uh, he went after you for the knockout. I mean, after the Edward Rosario fight, he turned into a a, a more cautious fighter. But uh, you know who? What father son was 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 successful? Where both the father? I can't think of any. Am I missing something? Uh, yeah, I think I mean, especially nowadays they do seem they're like the Lomachenko uh, is an example of one, and the Porter. I, Porter no, you know, but their fathers weren't successful. I don't mean the trainer fighter. Oh, really. you mean the father was successful, right? And the son was, right. Oh, okay. Yeah, the you. closest yeah, guy, the closest guy to success, and we don't know about uh, uh, about um, uh, what's his name right now, Hatton Campbell Hatton, but uh, Tazu's son seems to be doing pretty well. I'm not putting him in the same class as Costa Zoo, but uh, he seems to be doing uh, pretty well. And the elephant in the room here, jumping back to another train of thought, because that's what happens when you get to be my age. You start, uh, hey, thanks, Dex. Um, <laughs> hey, it's either that or having snots down your nose during the on camera, right? But, uh, but you know, uh, the elephant in the room was the fact that um, I thought that the fight last night, Shakur Stevenson, uh, was actually, um, you know, a, 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 an undercard, to be honest with you. It should have been more of an undercard fight rather than a like on a big, big pay-per-view. That is more of an undercard fight, in my opinion. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I did think so. And I, I, I think even the Holyfield um, fight, uh, and, and that's why, I, you know, if they're trying to boost the sport, that was not the way to do it. Um, yes, the um, the fight. I'm sorry, I can't remember now. Uh, the, the opponent was Carpensi. Um, I can't. Remember, the young kid's name slips my mind. Um, but he looked good, uh, and that kind of an undercard makes sense. I mean, it was absolutely one sided. Um, however, it was a good sort of okay. This guy is a. It, it, it was sort of interesting, too, because we saw the Nico Ali fight and then we saw him and it's like, OK, this guy is a manufactured uh, prospect and then this guy is a real prospect. Um, and I so I thought that was interesting. But the thing is, if you're putting that be in front of casuals, can they dis make that distinction? Not the way that the commentators were talking about him, because the way they're talking about him it would seem that Nico Ali has already won two gold medals. No. And did he even have an amateur career? No, I mean, Dax, I, Dax pointed that out earlier. Um, I, and and it's it's a shame. I, I brought up Eben Ali, a guy that fought for, for me one time. And, and yeah, he was the nephew, but uh, was no... <laughs> that tree must have been pretty big and wide. But uh, uh, Dax, coming up uh, is a fight in December. Um, Tank Davis, uh, who... I like Tank Davis. I don't like his antics outside of the ring, but, I, you know, he's an extremely talented guy. He shows uh, accuracy, hand speed, and he knocks people out. He's taken on uh, a fighter, uh, Roland Romaro, who's uh, referred to as Raleigh, and there's been a lot of smack talk from Raleigh. Is is this going to be as competitive, in your opinion, as Raleigh is, is, is making it sound, or is this his five minutes in the limelight and he's just trying to make the best of it. There's genuine bad blood between the two of them. Remember, they're all um, part of that Mayweather stable. And Roley in his last fight actually jumped over. And the first thing he did was call Tank out. And in my honest opinion, to me, it seems like there's some sort of like internal problem going on within the Mayweather camp. 
that um, this animosity, more or less, I would say, uh, jealousy for some reason is what made Roly call Tank out. But I really think that um, Tank Davis is going to put a highlight real beating on him. Geez, that's unusual that there's conflict in, in a Mayweather stable. Didn't Mayweather and Tank Davis have a problem at one point? Well, because for a while, Tank Davis wasn't able to actually get a copy of his own contract, and he was literally posting on social media about it. I'd like to see my contract. I'd like to know how many fights I have left underneath the Mayweather banner. Yeah, I, I, if I'm a fighter, I would like to see my contract, uh, uh, too. Uh, you know, an interesting thing about uh, Raleigh Romero, uh, with 14 fights under his belt, scheduled to fight Javonta Davis... Um, I, I, from what I understand, Texas, the state of Texas has um, basically suspended him indefinitely. I, I, I haven't seen anything to, to say that he was reinstated. Does anyone, do either one of you guys know anything about that? I think because he didn't do a, uh, that had to do with a post-fight drug test or, or, um, or physical or something like that. It's nothing that uh, he actually did. He wasn't hurt. He didn't fail any uh, drug tests that I know of. No, but I mean, once a, once a sank, uh, once a commission suspends you, at least in the United States, they all, they all, unless it got cleaned up. I, I don't know, but I don't no, know. That, that that used to be like that. That doesn't count anymore. They don't care anymore. Yeah, I see what you're saying. There's there's still a little flag on his um, box rec. Uh, and Boxrec, those are not very um, accurate at all. A lot of times, some guys will forget to bring them down. I remember actually seeing one on there one time where uh, Canelo was suspended, and I believe that was for – it was actually up there the night that he was fighting Callum Smith. Well, Fight Facts is the official uh, records and, and suspension, so I'd be curious. I'm gonna, I'll make a call and see. Yeah, this actually says uh, – suspended indefinitely right uh so right. yeah i'm curious what that is too well indefinitely uh, only means until they get the proper paperwork or whatever. until we look at and, it again yeah indefinitely <laughs> isn't indefinitely anymore but when you look at um raleigh's record i mean the best name on it really is is Yigit. i mean anthony Yigit. he he won a he stopped him in in, in the seventh round uh, aside from that um nobody really jumps out at me uh, Javonta Davis, as, as a matter of fact, is you know obviously has had some uh, decent wins. Uh, the biggest, in, in my opinion, is Leo Santa Cruz, but he, he did have a Gamboa, even though Gamboa was is is uh, long gone. Mario Barrios uh, was an up and coming fighter that uh, people gave a chance to. Um, so I think I think you're right, Dax. I I think that Tank Davis is going to pretty much annihilate this kid. I. I Tank has a lot of good names on there. Come on, we have um, there's a two division champion, Jose Pedraza. You got William Walsh, um, Fonseca. Fonseca was undefeated. Sayar, uh, 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 Ruiz, uh, Nunez, so on and so forth. Tank Davis has a, a very solid resume compared to uh, Raleigh Romero's. Well, I'm just looking at the last, you know, handful of fights. I mean, uh, let's. You know what? What's the old saying? You're only as good as your last fights. So, uh, you know we can have. And Mario made... Barrios was a very good fighter. Tank Davis made look average. Ma Mario Barrios was a fighter. Uh, like I said, he was up and coming. He was a champ. He he fought some tough guys as well. No, I I was impressed with I I was impressed with the win. Even though I've always been a Gamboa fan, but the win over Gamboa, 
uh, and the win over Leo Santa Cruz. Those are, and the way uh, he beat Santa Cruz. Uh, um, Santa Cruz that right, yeah, that's that was th- right. That that smart. put me. Hey, let's make no mistake. He was old, but Hugo Ruiz is a tough fight. Now, I don't disagree with 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 that at all, Dax. I I, I love Davis, and I and I think that I I don't think that inside the ring is ever going to weaken uh, Davis. I think it's his antics and the crowd he hangs with outside the ring. That same thing with Shakur Stevenson when you're talking about before. That's the same thing with him. Um, not you know that there's been little by little. You see some some stuff, you know, from like a year or two ago, but it wasn't even a year ago when I believe it was the the brawl at the gas station outside. Um, you know, Shakur Stevenson needs to mature a little bit, no. just like a lot of these younger fighters that we see out there nowadays. You know, they need to mature and they need to understand that you can't do and and no disrespect. You know, and thank God again he's alive, but like an Errol Spence. Um, you win the biggest fight of your career, and then you go out drinking, and you're driving drunk. You know what's uh, the common what's the common denominator with all of those names you're throwing at me? The common denominator is is just what this error where again bring up the the Bridgerweight division where everything has just become about money. The word champion used to be something how a fighter carried themselves outside the ring as well as. In, inside the ring, if anything was more important, whether or not they lost their belt, how they composed themselves in the post-fight interview, they didn't make excuses. Nowadays, everything has become more or less one big reality show, and it's almost as if these young up-and-coming fighters are trying to outdo each other to get themselves higher viewings. I was looking more for the, the connection of the PBC because most of them. I was going to say, I, yeah, I, I, mo- I thought I knew, I knew that little. Mo- mo- most of them are PBC? all. Yeah, well, most of them are all with it. And, and you know, listen, we could beat up on the PC, PBC all we want, but the truth of the matter is, is the common denominator there is the in your ear, you're the best, nobody can beat you, all of that stuff, which is great mentally. But it, it, these fighters are all losing focus. Uh, you know, the only one that never lost focus, credit to him, is that beast of a Mayweather you guys refer to. That beast, um, you know, he never has lost focus, um, you know, ever. And, and that's the one thing that I have to give Floyd Mayweather Jr. credit for. He has always, uh, you know, you know, been been focused on his fight. Now you could, you know, say that he, you know, handpicked, cherry-picked opponents in the second part of his career and everything else, but he was always in shape. The guy's in shape right now, you know, so, I mean, I have to respect that, and I think a lot of other fighters that are under that banner, uh, I don't know if they fall into thinking that they're a Mayweather or thinking that they're better than they are, but they all have trouble. They all have trouble, man. To be honest, let's just hear be 100% honest you brought up a valid point about Floyd Mayweather outside of Terrence Crawford genuinely American boxers in general American boxing is really even though America is the place where the money is made mostly in Vegas due to the international crowd that's there at all times whether or not you know they're, they're gambling or whether or not um they're there for some other business type meeting. You know, Vegas is why it has become the boxing capital because it's always going to draw in that crowd of fans. But in terms of just American fighters, really outside of 
Floyd Mayweather Jr. outside of now um, Terrence Crawford, really, American boxing has kind of hit the bottom. Even uh, USA boxing has really hit the bottom. The only reason yeah. they can, the only reason you can make that argument, Alex, is because they don't fight each other. You know, I, yeah. I mean, you need to write. How many times have you heard the cliche? You need to write dance partner. Back in the day, there were dance partners available, and they were willing to fight, and their promoters were willing to cross that line and fight. I mean, we all know Bob Arum and, and uh, Don King hated each other until that the the big money fight between their fighters had to be made, and they always pushed that hatred aside to make the fight. It's something that's not being done today. Yeah, and I, I do think that, it, especially with all these new apps and streaming services, it does seem like um, people that are not boxing people are the ones deciding what to put in front of fans. I think that's why you get uh, some of what we got last night. I don't know. It seems almost like, because when you think about it, ESPN, it's, what is it? it it's Disney. Um and it does almost feel like the same people that are deciding who are the D Dancing with the Stars partners are the same people deciding, oh, people want to watch Ali's grandson. Um, it's like, well, where's Gregory Peck's bicycle and Barbara Mandrell's skateboard? Can we find out about that? I don't understand why they think we're interested. Um, because, because they're lazy, because promoting fights has become lazy. Yeah, and, I think and, that, could, that does definitely seem to be, uh, you know, part of what's going on. The other thing that just popped into my head, and I, maybe it's not, it's only half-baked because, um, uh, it, like I said, it just came to me as you, as you were talking, is something about that PBC, maybe it's analogous kind of to, remember how Kevin Rooney was so successful as, you know, the chief second for Mike Tyson. Well, then... That worked so well that every other guy he trained, he would make into little Mike Tysons in a way. And sometimes it worked and some usually it didn't because there's only one Mike Tyson. I, it almost seems as if the PBC had this successful business model, Money Mayweather. And we're going to make we're going to use that model for all our fighters. The thing is, as we've been talking in this show, the Money Mayweather heel uh, persona did not come out of nowhere. And he certainly didn't start there. Um, that might not have worked without that top rank foundation. Uh, and a lot of these guys that they're promoting now, all they have is this Instagram or TikTok personality. Not to say that they don't have uh, success in the, in the ring, but like we pointed out, this fight for Gervonta Davis is very, it's not gonna be a difficult one, I don't think. Listen, the, you're right about Mayweather. May, Mayweather was successful in having his own fan base, whether they loved him or hated him. Because let's be real, nobody was in between with Floyd. They either hated him or they loved no matter what he did. And that was a success. Uh, and and you're right, PBC ran with that. And they're trying. And, and how many other fighters? Look at all the fighters that are trying to take the, the Mayweather model to, to riches, yeah. you know? Well, um, and I think they see we live in a binary world and that people either want to get mad about something or love you. And that either way, they're coming to watch. So they're, they're sort of promoting their fighters to be like that. It's no different we, than, it's no different than back in the day when they said any publicity is good publicity. It's the same thing. And I just want to make a comment about your comment about Kevin Rooney. 
and you're hit it on the head. And and I say this at at one point, Kevin and I were were pretty good friends. I, I used to spend a lot of time with Kevin uh, <laughs> at the at the horse gambling uh, places. But uh, but the but the truth of the matter is is that my friends separates a good trainer from a not so good trainer. And don't get me wrong, I agree a hundred percent. Kevin Rooney and Mike Tyson were perfect for each other because when they were together, they could not lose. As soon as they separated, they both lost. Tyson went downhill, and so did Kevin Rooney. Kevin Rooney's inability to train fighters to bring out their own natural abilities is what hurt him as a trainer. He was lucky with Vinny Paz because Vinny Paz had a similar style to uh, to Mike Tyson. But several other fighters that, that I saw him train in the gym, tall, lanky fighters with, with a beautiful arm reach, and they got him bobbing and weaving, fighting small and stuff. I could never understand it. That's what makes, you know, uh, trainers like uh, uh, Lomachenko and, and uh, the late, great Manny Stewart so good because they're able to take a, a fighter, look at his natural abilities, and capitalize on them. Whether, you know, if, if it's a trainer that likes to, to bob and weave and go for the knockouts, all of a sudden he's got this tall, lanky uh, guy that's got great footwork and a natural jab. Well, Jesus, you better start using a jab and, and box the kid, uh, otherwise he's going to get knocked out. That's what we don't have anymore. We have rah-rah men. We don't have talented trainers. That's why these fighters are the way they are. Let's let's call a spade a spade. That's the truth. Our amateur program has gone downhill. We heard it from Teddy Atlas almost 15 years ago, uh, complaining about it. And Dax, you see it. You know, you happen to be in a in an area that has some fighters that at least are, are displaying heart and stuff. That's an exception to the rule now. That's not the norm. That used to be the norm. Guys used to chase kids out of the gym. Hey, I want to ah, get out of here. You know, we don't have time for you. Now, somebody walks into a gym and they want to uh, sign up for, for a boxing class. Yeah, come on in. Come on in. You got a checkbook? Yeah, you you could be. You got a natural. You're, you're going to be a champion someday. You know, all of that is, is BS. You know, it's it's just, it's all become business. And I understand that. But come on, man. It's... It, and it's not just, can't just say the PBC, but yes, it's a stress onto the amateur. Starting from the amateurs, you know, we are not even nowhere near the most dominant amateur system in the world anymore. And if you look at the top 10 universal pound for pound in the pros, outside of Terrence Crawford, outside of Teofimo Lopez, who would not be there if it wasn't for the fact that he has that win over Lomachenko, and outside of Errol Spence, who has fought more guys that were either coming up from 135 to 140 than he has actually fought guys that are genuine welterweights. The whole rest of it, there's not one guy on there that's an American. And for those reasons that you stated, the trainers just they want everybody they come out and they all do the same exact thing and take somebody like ryan garcia we're just having this conversation with somebody where ryan garcia makes as much as a lot of world champions who have put in a lot of work over the years to get where they are simply because and not that ryan garcia doesn't work hard but the fact that ryan garcia has such a big following on social media well social media put uh, YouTube guys in the ring, and you e even have people thinking that they're real boxers, you know. And you know, I'm not going to knock them for cashing in. I mean, come on, you know. But no, no, it's just 
But the problem is, is you know, popularity is overcoming because it's the money. Yeah, it makes it, the it, money. You, you you made a great point about with Floyd Mayweather. Either you loved him or you hated him. Same thing with Ali, Muhammad Ali. They either loved him or they hated him. Yeah, but but the different way they tuned in to see him. Yes, but he was delivering and he was a skilled fighter. Same thing with Floyd. Yeah, Floyd but was a skilled fighter. You may not have liked always his opponent choice, but he was a generally skilled fighter. This new era coming up, yes, we have a lot of talent, but these guys aren't actually being forced to display and use that talent. The difference with Ali, and I speak for myself too, because I, you know, I, I went through it. There were times when you loved him, and there were times that you hated him. And and that was not the case with Floyd. You, you're right. You either loved him or hate him. There was no times when all of a sudden, yeah, you know, I kind of like Floyd. And, and you know, I, I'd be honest with you, um, I, I, it was the same for me anyway with, with Joe Frazier. There, there were times I loved Joe Frazier and I was in his corner, and then there was times when, you know, I, I, I wasn't so keen on him, you know. But, but guys like Joe Frazier and, and Ali, that era was so different and and the level that, that of fighters that they fought was was so much better. I mean, you can't, you know. I hate to blame the fighter because there's a lot of things that they have no control over, like like Dax, like you mentioned uh, earlier about Stevenson's weight class that there's not that much talent. That's not the fighter's uh, fault, you know. Um, but what we do blame them for is they're kind of got to fight every single fighter that's available to them. And a lot of these guys don't. That's that's the issue I have. And again, it starts down from the amateur. I was in an amateur event last night. And we literally sat there and watched a young fighter in a close bout. But because he was not the favorite, he was not the house fighter, so to say, this guy, actually, he hurts his opponent. He gets a jab. The referee gives him an eight count. Then he gives him another eight count. His opponent five times blatantly punched him in the back of his head. The whole crowd is screaming. The referee is looking directly at it, and the referee never said a word about it. Then the referee stops the fight when this other young man gets hit with a jab. I asked the referee afterwards. I said to him, I says, how is it that... You give this kid standing eight counts from a jab. You stood right there staring at the other fighter, punching him in the back of the head. When that should have been a disqualification, all you did was tell him not to do that anymore. And he responds to me, I, I seen what I seen. I don't know what you're talking about. I said, well, the video will show different. And then somebody else from USA Boxing come rushing over and says, oh, well, if they got a problem, don't answer any questions. They can file a complaint. You know what the complaint is that... And it's not my fighter, so, you know, it's not like something where it affects me personally. The complaint is that you're doing just such a poor job. We're not going to get any better because you're actually discouraging these fighters. And there was a fighter who recently did very well. He was going to um, advance over to Team USA, and believe it or not, because they did not like him, because they really did not want him to be on a hitting kind of fit the mold, he was passed over because he had more of a basketball player look, and then he ends up getting a contract with top rank. So USA Boxing will be the downfall of 
USA am, uh, professional boxing in the future because the amateur program is so terrible and it is so much in terms of favoritism that when these young fighters and not that they're all bad. So, you know, some are very talented, but the very best are not getting the opportunity to shine. And when they turn pro, they're not getting opportunities like Oscar De La Hoya or even Andre Ward or any of those type guys in terms of a big push because they already had a mainstream name in the media. When is the last time you've seen an amateur boxer from the U.S. in the papers? You know, when have you seen... Alex Perepoli wins the Golden Gloves. Bill Calagero is the national champion. Um, Alex Perepoli and Bill Calagero are made Team USA. When have you seen anything about that? You know, do they even care about boxing in the USA anymore? You're 100 percent right. You're 100 percent right. You know. So um, one last thing. Let's let's talk a little more about the Terence Crawford um, uh, Sean Porter fight coming up. Um, you know, I, I I love this fight. I, you know, I, I, I get I get very defensive when people tell me Terrence Crawford never fought anybody or anything else, um, which is not true. And and he's exciting to watch. And Sean Porter, he's exciting to watch. I, I, I love this fight. Both of these fighters going into the fight uh, with uh, just about a year in between from their last fight. Uh, Terrence Crawford's 34 years old. I, I think he's been 34 for a couple of years now. I'm, I'm not sure. I thought he was actually a little older. Um, but I, I love this fight. I, I, what do you guys think? First, Alex, what, what, what do you think of this fight? Um, is it a good matchup? And, you know, do you see it as a 50-50 fight or what? Or, or one side? I mean, how, how do you see it? Because, I, you know, I could, I could really give this fight some thoughts and, and, and be positive for either fighter in this fight. Yeah, I, I'm very excited for this fight. I think of the fights that we have left for the uh, rest of this year, which there's a lot of good ones, um, this is one of the better ones um, because I don't think it's 50-50, but I do think that Porter definitely has um, the ability to give Crawford some looks that he hasn't seen yet, especially at 147. Um, it, it's, you know, a number two number two well arguably the number two uh, if you go by the tbrb which i do um he's the number two welterweight in the world behind spence and porter is number four so whenever you've got uh, two number uh you know top five ranked guys going at it that's awesome the same thing with plant and canelo with canelo and plant you've got number one and number two so that will um you know create a, a undisputed 168 pound champ which is great um, but I do think that, uh, Porter, because of just that, that grinding come forward style, I think we're going to see, we might see the best, uh, we've seen of Terrence Crawford yet because, and I, I think we kind of have to, because he's been on the shelf for a while and, um, and this would be the opponent to really shine against because, um, I think he'd get uh, he'd make a lot of friends uh, if he wins big over Sean Porter. Well, I I do think it's a little closer fight because you know as much as I love Crawford and as much as I I feel that he's had a, a, a you know fought tough guys, you know he's never fought anybody Dax the style of of Sean Porter, a guy that's just relentless coming at you in your face. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when the mean streak, because we know how Terrence Crawford is. He likes to feel his opponent out for the first four rounds or so, and then he opens up 
Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that uh, against Porter. And, and quite frankly, before you answer, Dax, I can't agree with Spence being number one. I'm sorry. I can't. You know, I think he's talented. I, I, you know, I don't know where they get off on, on putting him number one. He certainly doesn't have the pedigree of even uh, uh, Sean Porter in, in that division. You know, so I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think he's a media darling, and uh, I think he's getting a lot of credit for some of his what he displays as talent, um, but against mediocre opposition. But anyway, what, what do you think, Dax, in terms of the matchup itself, Terrence Crawford against uh, uh, Sean Porter? I've said for a long time, I've said on this show before, that we'll know whether or not Terrence Crawford is a genuine welterweight if he faces somebody like a Sean Porter who is going to consistently come out him, who's physically strong, may not be the most accurate puncher, but he has an incredible gas tank. Yes, Sean Porter's been down a couple times, but he's never really been hurt. Uh, Sean Porter, as we know, in both the... Keith Thurman and in the Errol Spence fights, it was the overaggression where he's not um, the most accurate puncher that really worked against him. But in those fights, we've seen um, Keith Thurman and Errol Spence both shelled up on the ropes for the first time with absolutely no answers. I believe only Kel Brook is the one to ever actually cleanly beat Sean Porter, and that was no easy fight. And that was a Kel Brook before Triple G. When it comes to both Errol Spence and it comes to Terrence Crawford, let's be honest, Terrence Crawford did great things at 140. At 147, what has he done? His best opponent is genuinely Jose Benavidez Jr., who is a talented fighter, but he is not elite. Same thing with Errol Spence Jr. Who has Errol Spence Jr. beat that's a genuine welterweight? Sean Porter. <laughs> outside of Sean Porter, but you know, who else has he beaten outside? And same thing with um. Terrence Crawford is, um, who's he really beat that's a genuine welterweight outside of Kell Brook? No, listen, I'm with you with Spence, 100%. And, you know, as far as uh, Kell Brook and and Sean Porter, that was a majority decision. Um, That that fight wasn't a a decisive win for for Kell Brook. He was beat up. No, that was a different version of Kell Brook. Oh, oh, all right, all right. That was a prime Kell Brook before the Triple G incident. And the caveman, I call that the caveman uh, style of of Spence, could very well give give Terrence Crawford trouble. That nonstop coming at you, yeah, you're going to get headbutt. You're going to get a head in your head. You know, it's going to cut you maybe. Um, he doesn't do it intentionally, but that's his style, and you got to be ready for that. These are things that Terrence Crawford's going to have to be thinking about during the fight, which he normally does not have to. And I think that a guy like Terrence Crawford, who I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Terrence. I'm a big fan of both of these guys. I can't wait for this fight. Um, but I just think it's it, there's some added dimension to this particular fight um, that has to be on Crawford's mind uh, that, that benefits Porter, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's just frust- my point is it's just frustrating that the fights aren't being made. It's very much with what the future holds for Errol Spence, honestly, due to that the um, the eye issue, which we've spoken about before, very may well be something left over residual from that car accident and what his career holds from here on out. We don't know, but it's a shame that. Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence could have been the biggest 
welterweight fight of this era so far anyway, and more or less they kind of hit the Deontay Wilder after Joshua problem where one is now injured, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, and then if Sean Porter defeats Terrence Crawford all of a sudden with the cynical fans that we have today. Terrence Crawford's going to be all of a sudden overrated. And not only have the fans been robbed of a great fight, but both of these guys have been robbed of a very lucrative payday that they should have both been granted. Why? Because everybody else has been more concerned about protecting O's and putting money into their pockets. And if anybody suffers a loss, then you know what? You're not as profitable to me. Hey, Alex, I don't take anything away from Terrence Crawford should Sean Porter beat him. I, I think that Sean Porter, if he beats Terrence Crawford, no one should should say, see, we told you Terrence Crawford was overrated. I, I don't believe so. I think Terrence Crawford, when you look down his resume, he has fought some tough fights. As a matter of fact, the first part of his, uh, his career when he became at least on TV, he was the B-side. People forget that. He was brought in because, hey, he's from Nebraska and he's got an undefeated record. Let's put him in with our guy that, you know, and he, he has, he turned the tables on his own. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think, that, well, I mean, I think it would all depend on how he beats him. But, uh, yeah, if Porter ends up winning, a, you know, a close fight, then um, I, I think it would probably beg for a rematch um, just because, if, if they end up having a close fight, then yeah, I think that would be, um, I think that's only good for boxing because it chances are it would be competitive. It would be fun to watch because both these guys um, are uh, guys who, you know, deliver in terms of the thrills. So I, I do think that it's going to be an ex exciting, entertaining fight. It's going to be a rough fight because as Dax was saying, as, as we've all been saying, is that that's kind of the way Porter fights, no matter what, if he's a grinder. Um, so he's going to get in your face. He's going to make it ugly. He's going to make you work every round. Um, so, yeah, Terrence Crawford has never been in that kind of fight. Definitely not at welterweight. And I think that's why that's why I, I think Spence is has the more, uh, you know, the stronger claim at welter because he's just been there longer and he's beaten more welters. Um, you're right. It could be that Crawford is the better welter, but we don't really know yet. That's one of the things that's really been unfortunate, um, especially in this country, is that the best are not fighting each other. Right. Um, and we still and that was one of the things that I did like about the uh, the, the Gervonta Davis Raleigh Romero press conference, uh, even though I did not like the uh, the man for, uh, as you would assume, a, a vegan wouldn't. Um, but uh, the um, was when Romero pointed out when they said something like, is this your best opponent or something? And he said, well, yeah, he's my best opponent, but I don't think of him as the best lightweight in the world. I think that's Teofimo Lopez. And you could tell the, all the PBC uh, faces on the on the dais there didn't like that at all because they they like to pretend that the world doesn't exist outside of their fighters. I can't stand that. And I think that that's ruined the sport to be honest with you but we got, we got some great it's fights coming up it. yeah we got some great fights coming up with the uh with the crawford uh spence fight I'm, I'm sorry the crawford porter fight and of course canelo plant uh one last thing i wanted to to talk about has anyone uh heard anything on the the top heavyweights i i do know that um it was officially announced that deontay wilder is not retiring uh, that he will continue. 
Um, you know, I, you know, I know Anthony Joshua has exercised his rematch um, with Usyk. Haven't heard anything with uh, Tyson Fury. Uh, any updates on the heavyweight division, Dax, that you can share? No, not really. Listen, these fights with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, well, the last fight with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, and Anthony Joshua and the Alexander Usyk, the four genuine elite heavyweights, in the world, the most um, notable, the most um, relevant heavyweights, they're only a month out from their uh, their last fights. Um, or was Joshua Yusuf maybe a month and a half away from their last fight? So um, right now, those guys are resting. We can't expect to hear any news. And in terms of um, Dillian White, we now, again, you know, he's injured, so he's not going to be in the Ala Wallen fight, which would have been... Interesting to see who came out ahead there because Otto Wallen, I believe, is under underrated. And I believe the winner of that fight would have been in line to face most likely Music or um, Fury. I don't know, depending on how um, the mandates would have went. And, you know, other than that, really, what's uh, going on in the heavyweight division other than we have, you know, some up-and-comers? Well, um, hopefully we get to see... And the talk is that Joe Joyce versus Usyk is kind of in the works, and they have fought before in the World Boxing uh, World Series of Boxing, so that might be interesting. Then, and again, that all depends on how the outcome of Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Usyk goes. You know, the, the heavyweight division right now is just you know in limbo. The only thing we know is that Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk are the two best in the world, and. Deontay Wilder, if he can lose some weight, has a very good chance at defeating the greatest bridge weight of all time. Yeah, I don't think he would have much trouble in that division at all. And uh, I, I think that the heavyweight, listen, Usyk is there. He's he's there, of course. Um, win, lose, or draw in the rematch. I, I think he is. I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, top four heavyweights. Well, I, I I lied. I do have one more thing, Alex. Any thoughts on the Mikey Garcia loss? I mean, uh, you know, Mikey Garcia, the, the Errol Spence Jr. fight was kind of uh, shocking. I gave him a lot of credit that uh, that he stepped up and fought him. Spence couldn't stop him. It went the distance. Um, and then uh, Garcia comes back and, and beats Jesse Vargas, which um, uh, it was impressive. Uh, you know, Jesse Vargas is a tough fighter. Uh, then he was in a, a a fight that was supposed to be a stay busy fight against uh, Sandor Martin, and he loses the majority decision. I mean, uh, this is not a guy that isn't prepared for fights. I mean, was he starting to believe the press clippings, or, or has has he been? Is it over for him? I mean, uh, that's the question. I, I don't think it's over, but I do think that um, he's made it kind of clear that this is not. Uh, prize fighting is not his first love. Um, and, you know, I mean, that it's weird because he's really good at it. But, um, you know, what is people, what is his first love? I, I don't know. I mean, I think some people make it seem like he's much more. I think what was it a career in law enforcement? I believe uh, I could be wrong about that. But I thought huh. I saw somebody. I thought that that's what his other, uh, you know, passion is. Um, Do you look I, at him as a, as a, I, I got uh, my man C Lion in the chat room saying it, Mikey, the diva crash. Do, do you, I never looked at him as a diva. Do you? 
I don't think so, no. And I, but I do think that I don't want to take anything away from what uh, Sandor Martin did. That, that was a terrific uh, win for him. Um, but there's no question Garcia seemed listless. Uh, yes, he, he does that sort of amateur, you know, I got this round after everything, but after every round he fights. But I think even that was sort of half-hearted. It was just a sort of a reaction. Uh, you know, it's, he's been muscle memory. Uh, because he didn't seem to feel it in any of those rounds. Um, well, you you learned by watching your uh, your man, the late great Marvin Hagler, when he was doing that. All that meant to us was, yeah, he's not winning that round. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, uh, I, yeah you know, I, I don't know. And I think one of the things I did enjoy, uh, especially in, in um, there's so much uh, bad commentary uh, nowadays, that I did like how Sergio Mora. Uh, was very honest about I didn't where he, he had said I did not see a path to victory for Sandor Martin and I have been proven completely wrong everything that he was saying in the pre-fight interviews uh, uh, Mora said that he just didn't see a way for him to do and then watching the fight he saw him do do it and that was what you know it sort of refreshed of him of why he loves this sport so much and it's true because it is it is even more on a visceral level because it's one thing when when somebody says, oh, you know, we're going to go out there and we're going to play this team and we're going to beat them. This is, you know, physical combat. And um, especially in those last couple rounds, Martin was standing right there in front of him and swinging away. And um, that was impressive. Yeah, it was it was a definitely I don't know if it's upset of the year, but it's it's up there. I love when a fighter says he's going to do something and does it. Um, I can't stand, and it's it's gotten to be uh, basically all BS when these fighters are in the press. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. I get you in the ring. I'm going to do this and that. And, you know, they, they copy the late, great Muhammad Ali, and uh, uh, they do none of that, you know. But uh, in any event, listen, fellas, I appreciate you joining me today, as usual. Uh, we got some big fights coming up. We'll be doing post fights on, so uh, uh, be ready for that. Will we be doing the just curiosity? Um, the Canelo and Plant fight. Will be we be doing that this, the night of? I like doing it the night of, and that's what. Central, uh, it's, it's already going to be up, and by the time that gets over, I'm waking up. We'll have we'll have about you know half hour to get up anyway, you know. So why not just stay? Why not just pretend we're still in college? You know what I mean? We've been hanging out all night, and um, you know what? Might as well just go straight to work rather than go to sleep because we're just going to be dragging ass. I will, and I promise I'll have plenty of scotches in me, so nice. that'll that'll make an interesting night. All right, so us. Alex, you yeah. and I, yeah, we'll so do you, a show, you and, got um, Bill. You, we'll just you know. That's, that's I'm so warning you now. You you guys you guys are gonna have to carry me because I might have to get <laughs> carried in here anyway. But uh, anyway, yeah, fellas, I'm ready. I've been pretending I'm still in college for 25 years. Hey, so and you know you're 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 you you you're you're acting very well. You're you're starting to look like you looked when you were in college. You know, so uh, <laughs> but uh, but any event, and now you got your 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 cat that's slapping you around. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. but uh, yeah. But yeah. in in any event, no cameos today. But uh, yeah, uh, all right, fellas. You can see him back there. Max Schmeling's in the window. I yeah, uh, no, I can't. I can't. But uh, oh, yeah, but but there. but but I believe you. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, I will be uh, talking to you soon. All right, right everybody. Talk to you soon. Take, Take care. care really That's uh, Alex Papali and Dax Khan giving us their uh, thoughts today. 
and I appreciate uh, that. And I just want to remind you guys, we will be back uh, for post-fight uh, shows, uh, the Terrence Crawford and uh, uh, Sean Porter fight, and of course, the next one coming up, uh, Canelo Alvarez against Glebe Plant. I'm looking forward to both those fights, big fights, and I hope you join us here. Don't forget, uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, feel free to drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. And don't forget to get yourself a copy of my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet. It's available right now uh, at Amazon.com. You could also get a signed copy. Just drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Don't forget. Uh, it makes a great stocking stuffer. The way this boat it fits right in the stocking. You see what I mean? And uh, and 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 it's that time of year. So listen. Until next time, make sure you tune in next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.